Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good afternoon, blessed, blessed family. How are you? I would venture to guess that most of you do not know, hold on, (coughs) that this is Ember Friday. Uh, Four times a year we have um, Quatora Tempera. Four times a year we have, (coughs) I'm so sorry, the Ember Days. They're days of fasting. And they are to give God thanks for the seasons. I mean, you have to get some water, sorry. And so, all through the Old Testament, which is where everything comes from, God's people always had a time of thanksgiving and penance and fasting in gratitude for all they receive. Um, without fasting, there's no feasting. Without, uh, if you feast all the time or eat whatever you wish all the time, there's no fasting and there's no feast. But God has established order and the seasons. And four times a year, and this is one of them uh, for fall, um, we have three ember days each quarter. Wednesday, this past Wednesday, Friday, today, and tomorrow, Saturday. And they are days of fast and penance. uh, In thanksgiving for all that God has given us. So I want to mention that. I've taught on it in the past, but... I just don't want to let it go by without at least mentioning it. And what I'd like to do today is what I said I would do two days ago, and that is read our wonderful Holy Bishop Strickland's third letter. It's actually his fourth. He wrote his first pastoral letter um, uh, concerning the Synod on Synodality to counter the arguments that are being brought up the issues of the faith that are being brought brought up that um, are set to um, come out with false teaching and confusion, uh, as Pope Francis himself has said, to change the church. You can't change the church. Uh, uh, Bishop Fernandez has talked about the doctrine of the Holy Father. There is no such thing as the doctrine of the Holy Father. The doctrine of the Holy Father is your doctrine and mine. It is the faith once delivered to the saints, which the Holy Father is set to guard and give us his life as Pope to guard and teach and govern and sanctify and not change. It is not his to play with or to change. It is not his doctrine. If his doctrine differs whatsoever from the doctrine of the church, um, then it's false, and then he's teaching heresy. So there's no such so-called doctrine of the Holy Father, absolutely not. Um, uh, the infallibility of the Pope has not to do with what he says or speaks off the cuff or even writes in an ep- epistle. It has to do with m- very limited power, and that is in matters of faith and morals that he decides to bind on the faithful. If we are bound to believe something, and he's speaking many things that are false, 
But if he speaks something that's false and binds that on us to believe, then he's teaching heresy and the Holy Spirit will protect the church and lead it into all truth until the end of time. And so if the Holy Father goes against the faith um, uh, in any way, not his opinion or anything else, and again, he has gone against the faith, but not binding on us. And so if he decides to bind something, the gift of infallibility is really a negative gift. It doesn't even say that the, the... the Holy Spirit protects us by having the Holy, Holy Father speak truth. No, the Holy Spirit protects us and the church by preventing the Holy Father from binding anything on us of faith and morals that is not the deposit of faith, that is not true. And so it's the Holy Spirit who protects his church. Anything else the Holy Father says, hopefully it should be like a good and studied and knowledgeable and faithful Catholic. But if he goes off, we pray for him. But we don't follow what is heresy. We do not follow what is wrong. And if you say, well, I'm confused, I don't, Holy Father says this, don't be confused. Go to the Catechism of Trent, go to our current catechism, and, and just know that that is the deposit of faith. And if our Holy Father speaks against it, you don't need to be confused. We can be confused about why he is not faithful to his vows, why he is not faithful to the doctrine of the church. But don't let your own faith be confused. So Bishop Strickland has, um, as a beautiful shepherd of the sheep, has uh, come along and written uh, an overall letter on the Synod of Synodality, August 22nd. And um, hold on now, let me just see this, yeah. And in that letter, he pointed out seven points of um, doctrine that seem to be in peril. Again, they're not in peril. The truth comes from God, not from man. And God does not change. The, The true faith is unchanging and unchangeable, immutable, unchangeable. So, um, uh, Bishop Strickland pointed out seven points, the Eucharist, marriage, other things, uh, that is being discussed on the Synod on Synodality. And in his August 22nd letter to his flock, which is on the Internet, the whole world could take good advantage of it, he pointed out those seven things. And in subsequent weeks... Um, he is writing a letter on each of the points. So August 5th, he wrote one, um, uh, uh, rather September 5th was his first, September 12th was his second, September 19th, three days ago, was his third. And I'm reading these to you as they come out. Um, uh, Let me just see now. Here it is. Um, let me read this to you, the latest one as of September 19th. Here it is. And Bishop Strickland writes this, and I doubt, because I always want to go to our half hour for your calls and emails, so I doubt with a break coming up in a few minutes, we'll be able to complete this letter today. I will complete it on Monday, but you are welcome to go online. You can go straight to the Diocese of Tyler and see 
uh, go to the Office of Bishop and click on any one of Bishop Strickland's letters. <clears throat> he begins this latest one with my dear sons and daughters in Christ. I write to you today to discuss more fully the third basic truth that I spoke of in my first pastoral letter issued on August 22nd, 2023. Quote, the sacrament of matrimony is instituted by God. Through natural law, God has established marriage as between one man and one woman faithful to each other for life and open to children. That's the Catechism 1601. Humanity has no right or true ability to redefine marriage, including the Pope, dear ones. The Pope has no right and no power to redefine what God has said or to redefine any of the faith. The application of the faith is one thing. That can change through the years and culture, but it cannot, it, it cannot um, um, oppose or be different than the faith itself. <clears throat> In addition, Bishop Strickland says, to the sacraments of matrimony, I will also discuss the sacrament of holy orders in this letter, as both matrimony and holy orders are vocations, and therefore calls from our Lord to share our lives with others in special ways. Both matrimony and holy orders confer a special grace that is primarily directed not toward the salvation of the one who receives the sacrament, but in particular toward the salvation of those who are served by the one married or ordained. That's very important. Priests are not ordained for themselves, but for the faithful, for their salvation. A woman doesn't marry a man for her salvation, but for her spouse's salvation, and the husband for his wife's salvation. <clears throat> their number one vocation prior to even raising their children is to get one another to heaven. <clears throat> um, thus, Bishop Strickland says, both are properly understood as sacraments of service. In both cases, the fundamental aspect, as intended by God, is a self-sacrificial love that wills the sanctification of the beloved. And now he goes into matrimony. According to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, quote, marriage is a, and again, to clarify, the new catechism following Vatican II did not update anything to do with the faith. Trent was a pastoral council, and it followed the rep Reformation, where many heresies were about, and it needed to clarify the faith once delivered to the saints. Um, the current catechism that followed Vatican II is, uh, is the application of the faith. It's pastoral, just as Vatican II was not a doctrinal council. It could change nothing from Trent, um, but it was uh, pastoral, that we could understand it and live it out without changing anything. Um, <clears throat> So, dear ones, there's the music for our first break, and we'll continue with this when we come back and then take your calls and your emails following the second break. Our toll-free number with anything on your heart is 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com, and we'll be right back.
Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. It is a scientific fact that life begins at fertilization. Every human being is a human person. It already says in the 14th Amendment of our U.S. Constitution that all persons are to have equal protection under the laws. Yet we have an ongoing mass murder of our little pre-born brothers and sisters under the big lie of abortion. The Supreme Court must explicitly affirm federal protection for our last excluded class and end this constitutional crisis. Use your voice and sign the petition now at thestationofthecross.com. The Station of the Cross has many ways to keep you informed about our programming. You can view the highlights of our primetime programming schedule or the full 24-7 programming grid at both thestationofthecross.com or the free iCatholic Radio app. Just search under the Programming tab. Our website also offers a printable version for your convenience. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. Um, We are um, somewhat yet at the beginning of Bishop Joseph Strickland's third pastoral letter to his flock, which again is on the internet, and I wish every sheep and pastor throughout the whole world would read it. It's perfect. Um, And it has to do with the issues on the agenda of the Synod of Synodality uh, to clarify the teaching of the faith as against what um, is spoken about of being proposed. So we're on matrimony now. And I'll just repeat the beginning of it so we can look forward, uh, we can move forward on it. According to the Catechism of the Council of Trent, marriage is a conjugal union between a man and a woman, both in legal status, in which they establish a perpetual and indissoluble union of lives. There are two goals in this union, procreation and education of the offspring, and the mutual support of the spouses. This definition is applicable to both marriage between two non-baptized people and marriage between two baptized people. In the first, the marriage is contracted according to natural law, and in the second, the marriage is contracted according to the church and is fortified by sacramental graces. Let us look specifically at three major building blocks of marriage. First, let us look at the definition of marriage as being between one man 
and one woman. We can turn to the initial chapters of the book of Genesis for the clear revelation that marriage between one man and one woman is ordained by God for the proper ordering of humanity. Quote from Genesis chapter 2, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suited to him. And then, in Genesis 2 as well, So the Lord God cast a deep sleep on the man, and while he was asleep, he took out one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. The Lord God then built the rib that he had taken from the man into a woman. When he brought her to the man, the man said, This one at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man this one has been taken. Bishop Strickland continues, Because marriage was divinely instituted by God as between one man and one woman, there is simply no right given to humanity to depart from this foundational truth of marriage. I will re-emphasize, Bishop Strickland says, this point, marriage can only be between one man and one woman. Our global society has entered gravely dangerous territory as it promotes various distortions of intimate human relationships and attempts to label them as marriage. These models are not rooted in the truth which God has revealed to us in sacred scripture and which is woven into natural law. And we are seeing the sad fruits of these denials of God's divine blueprint for marriage. The second building block of marriage is that it is meant to be a lifetime commitment, a perpetual and indissoluble union of two lives united together in a lifelong covenant. Marriages that end in divorce and thus fail to fulfill the call of an enduring bond cause havoc not only in the lives of each member of the broken family, but also in society. Compassion compels us to pray for those who have experienced broken marriages, that God's grace may bring healing, forgiveness, and wholeness. But we recognize that the pain and upheaval brought about from the breakdown of marriage testify to the necessity of marriage as a permanent and unbreakable covenant. If one or both of the parties enter a marriage lacking this firm resolution for permanence, it can spell disaster for this union, and it also calls into question whether a true marriage has taken place because an essential element was missing from the beginning. Finally, Bishop says, we turn to the third building block of marriage that is to be open to children. The church in her wisdom guided by sacred tradition, does not claim that a childless marriage is not a true marriage. The point which the church insists on, however, is that there must be an openness to children in the marriage. The prevalent use of contraception, even among believing Catholics, undermines this third essential building block of marriage in devastating ways. It is crucial that we address this issue with the gravity that it demands. In these current times, the Catholic Church seems to stand virtually alone in opposing contraception because the Church has always recognized that contraception runs contrary to God's plan for human life and that cannot 
and will not change. Prior to 1930, virtually every other Christian community also stood in opposition to the use of contraception as a gravely sinful act. In 1930, at the Lambeth Conference, the Anglican community declared that married couples, for serious reasons, could use artificial contraception. It was not long after this that numerous other Protestant denominations also approved the use of contraception. However, the Catholic Church held firm that artificial contraception was, is, and forever will be gravely sinful. On New Year's Eve of 1930, the Church officially responded to those who argued in favor of contraception by the release of Pope Pius XI's encyclical on marriage, Casti Canubi. This encyclical clearly reiterated that the use of any artificial means of birth control was prohibited because it interfered with God's design for human life and therefore was a mortal sin. Quote from Casti Canubi, Since therefore, openly departing from the uninterrupted Christian tradition, some recently have judged it possible, solemnly, to declare another doctrine regarding this question. The Catholic Church, to whom God has entrusted the defense of the integrity and purity of morals, standing erect in the midst of the moral ruin which surrounds her, in order that she may preserve the chastity of the nuptial union from being defiled by this foul stain, raises her voice in token of her divine ambassadorship, and through our mouth, that's the Pope's mouth, proclaims anew any use whatsoever of matrimony exercised in such a way that the act is deliberately frustrated in its natural power to generate life is an offense against the law of God and of nature, and those who indulge in such are branded with the guilt of a grave sin. End quote from Casti Canubi. In the 1960s, the invention of the birth control pill gave rise to the so-called sexual revolution. The majority of women who wanted to thwart their natural fertility now turned to the birth, birth control pill. However, most women then as now were not aware that birth control pills have an abortifacient component, meaning these pills can and do cause the termination of a fertilized ovum a conceived child, as one of their functions. The connection between birth control and abortion was intentionally downplayed by birth control advocates in order to bring less scrutiny of hormonal contraceptives. However, we as Catholics must understand that the use of such drugs could actually cause a conceived child to be aborted before a woman even knew she was carrying a child. As children of God, made in his image and likeness, we are called to honor and respect each human being from contraception until natural death. Contraception stands in the way of this, and therefore Catholics must reject the use of hormonal contraceptives as gravely sinful. Regarding abortion, the Catechism of the Catholic Church states, quote, 
Since the first century, the church has affirmed the moral evil of every procured abortion. This teaching has not changed, and it remains unchangeable. Direct abortion, that is to say, abortion willed either as an end or a means, is gravely contrary to the moral law. Catechism 2271. Modern science has not changed the church's teaching against abortion, but instead has confirmed that the life of each individual begins with the earliest zygote, an embryo. I think I told you yesterday I saw a car on the highway with a sticker that said, Former Zygote Driving. Because each and every human life has inherent dignity, each life must be treated with respect. I would like to focus now, Bishop Strickland says, on the importance of marriage as a sacrament, a sign of God's grace at work in the world. A marriage is sacramental when it is validly celebrated between a baptized man and a baptized woman. Matrimony is the one sacrament that the participants confer on one another. This this sacramental reality encompasses all the elements of a natural marriage and adds to it the beauty of a vocation lived out before God with his grace given to the husband and wife to live out that vocation. Just as natural marriage is foundational for human civilization, sacramental marriage is essential for the life of the church. The grace that flows into the lives of a man and a woman in a sacramental marriage also flows out from their union as a blessing for their family and their community. Sacramental marriage reaps the blessing from graces which allow the man and woman, along with any children they are blessed to nurture, to form a domestic church and to live out the unique call to holiness in their family as directed by God. For the church to accomplish her mission of bringing Christ to the world, holy sacramental marriages are essential. As we approach, Bishop says, the upcoming synod on synodality, we must continue to hold fast to Scripture, the sacred traditions of the church, and the unchangeable deposit of faith, which illumine and guide our faith regarding matrimony. We must be aware of and reject any call for a change in the unchangeable reality of marriage, and we must also reject any call for recognition or blessings on relationships which attempt to simulate or redefine the sacrament of marriage. Any relationship that is not a true marriage but attempts to portray itself as a true marriage is a deception that would inevitably lead souls away from Christ and into the hands of the deceiver. As your spiritual father, I must caution you in the strongest terms, do not accept this deception. There's the music for our half-hour break. Beloved, we're coming near the close of Bishop Strickland's letter, but we are going to go to your calls and emails um, for the second um, for the second half hour. So feel free to call in um, with whatever's on your heart, your mind. Um, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the 
thestationofthecross.com, and we'll be right back. Hello, this is Father Jim Netto of the Diocese of Portland, Maine. In Krakow, Poland, on the 2nd of June, 1938, the Lord Jesus himself directed a young Polish Sister of Mercy on a three-day retreat. Sister Faustina painstakingly recorded Christ's instructions in her diary, that is, a mystical manual on prayer and divine mercy. These instructions became Faustina's weapon in fighting the good fight. Jesus began, My daughter, I want to teach you about spiritual warfare. Secret number five. Put your self-love in the last place so that it does not taint your deeds. This secret counsels us that self-love is natural, but it should be ordered, free of pride. Love of ourselves, esteeming of ourselves, are roots which cannot be easily plucked out of the human heart, but we can prevent They're bearing any fruits, which are sins. As for their buddings, we cannot prevent them altogether, so long as we are in this life, though we can moderate their dimensions by the practice of contrary virtues, especially by love of God and humility. Satan tempts us to disordered self-love, to lead us into his pool of pride. Humility defeats the devil, that is perfect pride. If we need any motivation to be humble, we need only consider Jesus, who humbled himself to save us. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. We have a whole half hour all to ourselves and our phone lines are wide open and I invite you to call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll free, one 511 5483 or email at mother at <clears throat> We have an email from Beryl. We began yesterday and didn't have enough time and I promised that I would take it first up today. And so Beryl writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. My name is Beryl, B-E-R-Y-L, and I stumbled across your bio and contact information in a Google search yesterday. A little about me. I'm a 41-year-old female from New Orleans, Louisiana. I am married and have three children, ages 9, 4, and 2. I am Jewish. Both parents, all four grandparents, and all eight grandparents are or were Jewish. My mother's parents were Holocaust survivors from Austria. My maternal great-grandparents were killed in concentration camps. Um, Beryl, I'm so sorry for that. Um, Also, both my parents, all grandparents and great-grandparents, totally Jewish on both sides, also Russian and Hungarian Jews on my end. She says, I've been drawn to Christianity since my late teens. 
In college, I attended worship regularly with a close friend at a Protestant church. Life has been busy, and I finally have circled back to my spiritual seeking. I live in New Orleans, which is a largely Catholic city. My nine-year-old just began his seventh year of Catholic school, and my four-year-old just began her second year there. The toddler will begin next fall. We love the school, the parish, and the community. I think that deep down, I felt as though this is where I belonged when I registered my son for Catholic school years ago. Now that we are rooted in the community, I have begun to further explore my interest in the Christian-slash-Catholic faith. I'm currently in RCIA, that's the Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults. I plan to become baptized along with my children in the spring. My goodness, Beryl, this is, this is just fantastic news. She writes, As the reality of my conversion and the thought of raising my children Catholic sets in, I am both excited but equally and sometimes more terrified of my decision. Being a Jew with so much cultural and historical baggage gives me an uneasy feeling. Very understandable, Beryl. Very understandable. Um, <clears throat> And leaves me questioning if I am making the right decision. Beryl, I don't think that there's a Jew alive on earth who has discovered that Catholicism is the fulfillment of the entire Old Testament law of Judaism, of all the promises of Abraham, of, of God to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, um, and doesn't deal with what you're, what you're facing. Um, <clears throat> To really understand, it's not the rejection of Judaism, but it's fulfillment. Um, to reject Judaism is to reject the Messiah God sent, even though people don't uh, understand that. Uh, their accountability is known by God alone. <clears throat> um, she says, it is not because I'm a practicing Jew, because I typically only go to a temple on Rosh Hashanah and on Yom Kippur. Maybe the fact that the high holidays are upon us is adding to the weight of this decision. I don't question it. We're right now in the period of awe, the 10 days of awe between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. So it, 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 I'm sure it has to do with it, Beryl. She says, but I feel riddled with guilt. That's very Jewish. I know that too. I would never mention anything about considering converting to my parents or most of my family members out of fear of being disowned. So I guess you could say, inner battle between my culture, heritage, and my spirituality. That's absolutely for sure. You are, and it's a thousand percent understandable. She says, I started searching Google yesterday in hopes that I would come across something that would help clear my conscience or give me a sign that I'm doing the right or wrong thing. And your page was among the first things that I came across. I would love to hear your testimony as a Jewish convert, or any other wisdom or thoughts that you would like to share with me. Thank you so much for your time, Beryl. Beryl, um, my brother David heads up the Association of Hebrew Catholics. Those are thousands of Jews all over the world who have come into the Catholic Church believing it's not the rejection of Judaism, but truly its fulfillment. And on the site, Hebrew Catholic, singular, HebrewCatholic.net, you will find tons of books, tons of conversion stories, audio, printed, 
uh, theology. It's a fantastic site, HebrewCatholic.org. Another site you might want to go to is Salvation is of the Jews um, by uh, Roy Shoman, who was an Orthodox Jew, now Catholic. Now, he doesn't call himself a convert, but an entrant into the full fullness of Judaism. And Roy has uh, much on his website and is the author of Salvation is from the Jews and Honey from the Rock, which is, um, I, think, I think, 16 um, stories personally written by Jews who um, entered the Catholic Church, believing it's the most Jewish place on earth. So I would suggest you go to Salvation is from the Jews and HebrewCatholic.net. You will find much there. The Hebrew Catholic uh, .net, uh, Association of Hebrew Catholics has throughout the world what they call Havara, or plural Havarot. Um, they are small groups of people that get together in parishes throughout the United States or in homes and throughout the world, and they study the roots of their Catholic faith, and they're Jewish or non-Jewish. Uh, they could be Jewish Catholics or Gentile Catholics, Hebrew Catholics or non-Hebrew Catholics, and they study together the roots of the Catholic Church. And um, many of them continue to practice all the feasts that God has given, not for salvation, because Jesus fulfilled the law, but as part of their heritage and their history. It's a wonderful thing. When the butterfly comes, you don't negate the caterpillar from which it came. The caterpillar is not going to help you now. The butterfly will. But the butterfly is fully understood when you know the caterpillar. So... um, you are welcome. My brother David has my own conversion story on his website. You can email me and we can send you a, a CD uh, on my conversion story, The Making of a Jewish Nun. Um, Lighthouse Media has that. Um, it's all, all over the place. You can find it, The Making of a Jewish Nun. Um, and you can email me, dear one, at mail at mother of Israel's Hope, mail, M-A-I-L, at motherofisraelshope.org, um, and uh, with specific questions, or I'd be happy to speak with you if you email me and give me your phone number. I'll be happy to call you and speak with you on the phone. You are not, in, as in being baptized and entering the church in, in this spring, you are following the first apostles and prophets, all Jewish, who did the same and were ostracized by their communities who did not have the gift of faith. And theirs it was to spread the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Greek all over the world. So God bless you, Beryl. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for your email, and I will help you in any way, that, any way that I can. Okay, hold on just a minute now. Oops. I don't know what just happened. Something just happened to my screen. Uh Uh-oh. All right, I'm going to refresh my... Hold on a minute, because I need to refresh this screen. I don't know what happened. Um, Hmm. Oh, dear. James... Something went wrong with my my call screen, uh, I, but I know someone's on the line. Could you tell me who they are? Absolutely, Mother. So this is going to be a call from someone who wanted to call in anonymously this morning. So uh, welcome to the show, Anonymous, and go ahead with your question or comments for Mother. 
Sure. Okay. Hi. Um, I'm just calling um, for some guidance. That it's something that I've I, I can't seem to get um, straight guidance on. I've I've sought guidance from a few priests, and I kind of get um, answers all over the place. Um, and I mm-hmm. it's in regard to a, a, I, I believe a mistake I made in my marriage. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how to go forward with it, but. Basically, um, my husband a year ago decided to, um, well, together, um, we decided that he would quit his job and um, pursue an entrepreneurial endeavor. And his job wasn't um, producing money um, at that time. And we needed to make a change. And he had been talking about um, starting his own business for years and years. And uh, finally, he did. And that's his personality. I'm a rather safe, um, mm-hmm. like to play things safe. Um, but I believed that, um, I needed to give him this, you know, um, I wasn't as a traditional as a Catholic either a year ago. So I'm glad that I, um, submitted, but, um, a couple months ago, um, I, we continued to have issues just, in regard to the instability of being an entrepreneur and me constantly being worried that even when something good happened in the business, would this continue? Will this fail? Will, um, what about benefits? And, um, we did participate in a health share, but, um, again, it's like, well, that costs more money than it would if you just worked in a job. And it just continued to cause, um, just angst in our marriage to the point where, he decided I'm just going to go get a part-time job and work my business on the side. Well, of course, when he gets the part-time job, now his business is doing much better. And he even got um, another job offer to make some extra money um, from someone in the business that he's working in as well. And he really dislikes the part-time job, which I'm not surprised because it's just, he, he felt forced into it from me causing him angst and, um, and I'm disappointed in myself for, um, not having the virtue to not do that and not just carry the cross and, um, offer it up. Instead, I went to him and made him so miserable that he decided I'm just going to get a part-time job so that she will stop being so worried, which in turn affects our children. So anyway, now he's in his first week at this part-time job and he is very unhappy. Um, he, he doesn't complain, but I, I can just tell um, when he comes home and he doesn't want to be doing it. And I realize that I basically am the reason that he went in to do this. And I just don't know what to do from here. I don't know if I should go to him and say, um, you know, this isn't a requirement. I, I, I'm, I'd be supportive if you stop doing your job part-time job and pursue your business full-time um financially we're fine um and he always told me that if finances ever became a big issue he would of course provide for the family and I completely trust that he's a very hard-working individual um but yeah I just I don't know where to go from here my question dear is why you don't know where to go from there why are you hesitant on going to your husband and saying, honey, um, I apologize, and I see better now, and um, I, I know you 
took the part-time job because of my anxiety and all of that, but I'm fine if you leave it. Why, why, why are you puzzled about that? It's because um, I've gotten some other guidance from other priests kind of saying he should keep the part-time job because his job is to provide for the family no, and no, no, entrepreneurial. No, 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 no. You've come to the right, you've come to the right conclusion. Go to him, apologize, say, you know, part of the fall, results of the fall is that women would be controlling. And I love you, and I realize that I've got some of that. Um, I trust you. You are the provider. If we ever ro- run low financially, you, you have already said you provide, and you didn't have to say it. I trust you, and I know it. Um, please feel free to leave that part-time job, because I know... It's not fulfilling you, and I love you more than I love whatever money you're bringing home from that. You go to him and apologize and say, please feel free to leave that job. I won't be worried. And I, hold, can you hold on till after the break? Yes, I will. All right, hold on. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam. Many of you are familiar with Mother Miriam Live. But I wonder if you have listened to some of the other programs from the Station of the Cross, such as The Catholic Current. Father Robert McTague discusses important topics in the church and in the world each weekday at 5 p.m. Eastern. You can listen anytime to The Catholic Current as a podcast on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Many committed Christians hold to this axiom. If it's in the Bible, I believe it, and that settles it. Well, here you go. 1 Timothy 2 states the following about women as related to church life. No braiding the hair, no gold jewelry, no pearls. Just learn in silence and do not teach. Does your pastor comply with these biblical instructions? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, an unpleasant fact. Many self-proclaimed Bible-only churches, sadly, will pick and choose what parts of the Bible are implemented in the life of the church. Secondly, Catholic catechism. Be especially attentive to, quote, the content and unity of the whole scripture. And thirdly, a tough comeback. In order to understand the sacred author's intention, we must take into account culture, audience, and the literary genre. So if your Bible-only church does not strictly obey those instructions, then tell me the reason why. Well, we know, you know, 80% of your church is handled by women. So with those instructions in force, many women will leave your church, maybe even the pastor's wife. Ouch. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest, prayer, or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience by finding us wherever you enjoy podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last second a segment rather we have 10 minutes you're still welcome to call in and we are on the line with a very lovely wife and mother are you still there 
Yes, I'm here. Uh, okay, just if you don't mind, I'll sum up in a couple of set sentences in case someone is just joining us. Um, this dear wife and mother called in um, because after so many years, her husband decided to um, leave his job and um, uh, be an entrepreneur. And um, his wife got a little nervous that, you know, there wouldn't be enough money. And sometimes the money was lower and their expenses are higher with medical now. And they have three. Do you have three children? Four children. Oh, right. Great. Um, And so because of her anxiety, um, he went ahead and got a part time job and he doesn't like it. He doesn't complain, but he doesn't like it. And his own entrepreneurial business seems to be picking up. And um, she wants to know what to do uh, at this point. Do you want to clarify anything I've just said? Um, no, that that's, that's right. And the um, confusion with getting um, some other advice that was basically saying that um, he should have the part-time job to ease my concerns was no, a little... Absolutely uh, not. No, okay. zero. Absolutely not. A husband doesn't get a part-time job to ease the concerns of the wife. The wife knows that the husband is the head of her family from God and that God will provide for her through her husband. So your trust is not in stability for a job or finances or anything else. Your trust is in God who has promised to provide for you through your husband. And you happen to have, it seems like, a very wonderful husband who is committed to providing for the family. So no, um, your security is in God and in the man that he's given you to protect and lead your family. So absolutely not. I say, go to your husband, say, sweetheart, um, God is helping me to understand. Um, I need to trust more. It's not a reflection of who you are. It's a reflection of who I am that I don't trust as much and that I need certain things to my security. My security is in God and in you, the man he's provided for me. And I trust, honey. So I, I would wish for you, I would wish for you, but you do what you want, to leave that part-time job. The part-time job won't be my security anymore. You are. God is. And I, I want to be under your headship and you will do what you seem right. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to allow you to live the vocation God has given you. And apologize, and then truly don't worry. And if you say, well, something good has happened, but I don't know that it'll continue, we, can't, we don't know the future. Of course you don't know. But God doesn't change, right? So we, there's an old expression, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. Does that mean you won't be poor? It does not. But it means God will provide as King David said, he's never seen the righteous begging food. Right. Okay. That is so helpful, and it feels right in my heart. So It, um, it is right. I, and, I, and don't go to sleep tonight without making that right with your husband. I will not. Thank you so much, Mother. And, and don't even say, I know, honey, if anything goes south in the future, you'll get a job. Don't say that. Don't guide him. Don't lead him. Your trust is in God and in the man he provided for you. Don't lead. And then should I just not ask questions about work or anything like that either? I can tell. Such I think as that, what? Like, how's it going? And what, what how, you know, um, kind of probing. I feel like I do that to ease my. No more. Concern. Not okay. as, not, no more. Absolutely not. 
let him share with you as he freely wishes to. Don't ask him anything anymore. Let him share with you. And if he shares a particular situation with you, let's say someone under his employ or um, this supply is short or whatever it is, you can always say, did that, did you ever, were you able to ever get a supply for that wood? Or you could say, how's, the, how's Robert doing under you? You can, you can ask uh, questions that are a comfort and a support to his heart, not that lets you know how the business is going. Absolutely not. Okay. Wonderful. That okay, don't go to sleep help. tonight without straightening that out. Okay, I won't, Mother. How, Thank you. How, how old are your children? Um, they're all under the age of five. Oh, help. Oh, my goodness. No, no, you, you, put, you raise them and, and leave your, your whole family in, in the, hand, the good hands of your husband. Okay. <laughs> God do bless. You have any, do you have a book um, recommendation for trusting or, um, or just letting go of that kind of controlling personality? Um, I, I think of Adam... Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Kossad, uh Trust in Divine Providence. That's a good one. Okay, I'll look into or that. Tr- yeah, or, or the other, I think it's a longer title, Trustful, Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence. It's a very, very okay. good book. Um, but look at it the other way. When you don't trust, you doubt the veracity, the truth and existence of God. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You're doubting who God is. You're doubting that. Now, God understands this. I mean, you could read all the Old Testament. He calls his own disciples ye of little faith. He understands. But you need to say, not I need to trust more. I need to believe that God is who he says he is and will do what he claims he'll do. Yeah, I I get so caught up in, like, if he'll take a break or something, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, if he, you know, if he was working right now, maybe business would be better, and then maybe things would be calmer in our marriage, because we wouldn't be worried about finances. No, they won't be. Not, not as long as your attitude is that. If you can't take a break with him and rest with him, then it'll never work. What does he take a break for? Well, just, kind of just play with the kids, like to like some. His work can be done at night. It's um, it's all from home, so it's not, it's not really something that needs to be done. He can do it on his own time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he'll go play with the kids and stuff, and um, and I love that, and I think it's a blessing. But I I get I just I just keep feeling like I I'm I know what's right, but I keep failing. I keep getting caught up in the anxiety you're nervous you're nervous number one god bless him how many wives would love that complaint that their husbands play with their kids instead of having a night out with the men or other things that is what should be don't you ever time him um you are uh, consumed by material needs and by finances as if they're going to be your be-all and end-all. You've got to stop that. You've got to stop that. Don't question your husband. Bless God when you see him spend time with the children. If you think he should spend 45 minutes and he spends three hours, bless God that he's that kind of father. 
Don't judge him. Don't judge his work. Leave him in the hands of God. Because if not, he could spend 24-7 on his work and it will fail if it's not of God. If he spends time playing with the children, the work will succeed. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Thank you so much. Sorry to take so much time. No, no, this is important. You're not alone. I, I can't know how many millions of wives struggle as you're struggling. But you've got to start believing in God and saying, Lord, I'm an unfit wife and mother to have such material fears about the future. I trust you. You are God. You've given me four children with this beautiful man, husband and father. Let me be at peace and trust you and jump into the water even though I don't know how to swim. Let me just do it. God, will he'll take care of it. All right, sweetheart. You're welcome, dear. All right, have a good weekend, everyone. And um, fast today for Ember uh, Friday. And we'll speak with you on Monday, God willing. God bless you.